friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. like us to kindly open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and we will read uh, verses 12 to 13 at this moment. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your faithfulness and Your steadfast love towards us. We do experience Your love on a daily basis. And we thank You that You are so gracious even though there are times that we do not even thank You even though there are times that we do not appreciate the many wonderful things that you do in our lives, we thank you, O God, that in spite of who we are, you have always been consistently loving and caring for us. And for that, we will be eternally grateful. And this morning, O God, we pray that you might fill this entire sanctuary with your worship. We pray, O God, that our hearts will be meshed together with your heart and that we might truly encounter you this morning, even in the preaching of the Word of God. I pray for myself humbly, for I know that apart from you, I can do nothing, I can accomplish nothing, And so I ask humbly that you might anoint my lips of clay so that I might be your voice to your people this morning, O God. Speak, Lord, in a way that will touch our hearts. Speak in a way that we will be drawn closer to you. Speak in such a way, O Lord, that we might be able to revere and worship and glorify your holy name like never before. We ask these things humbly to the end, Lord, that we might worship and glorify your holy name. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're now in part two of the very short series that we have entitled, Graduating from the University of Contentment. When we began this series, we said that uh, Paul must have graduated summa cum laude in the University of Contentment. Of course, I speak figuratively, but we asked this question, what was the curriculum that God used so that Paul could learn contentment in his life? And the second question probably that we would like to be able to answer as well is where does Paul draw his confidence? So there are actually two things that we will be studying this morning. 
First of all, we will be talking about Paul's curriculum, and then we will also be talking about Paul's confidence. So this is actually very easy to remember. There are just two words that we have to remind ourselves with. First of all is the word curriculum, and the other word is confidence. And my prayer to God is that all of us this morning would somehow learn contentment. It is a process, by the way. It's not something that comes automatically. It is a process that we go through. And my prayer to God is that we will not resist the Holy Spirit, we will not reject His Word, and we will submit ourselves, yield ourselves to His prompting. We might submit ourselves to the tug in our hearts so that we might be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's begin our study with Paul's curriculum, and I'd like to read once again the passage that we just read a while ago. It goes, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, as I take a look at this passage and try to determine the curriculum of God, I can say that there are actually two courses that Paul was actually enrolled in. And I would like to be able to say as well that while you and I may choose not to be enrolled in the University of Contentment, we actually have no choice. Whether we like it or not, you and I are enrolled in the University of Contentment. So the issue is not, or the question is not whether you and I are enrolled in this university. The question is, will we fail or will we pass with flying colors? And of course, as a pastor and as a minister of God, my desire for the people of God is that we might pass with flying colors. Because when we pass with flying colors, we will be able to experience the joy and the peace of God which we have been talking about for quite a bit. And of course, we are concerned about the quality of life that we Christians are supposed to live out. My prayer to God is that we might attain to our full potential as Bible-believing Christians and that we might grow into spiritual maturity. If that happens, then we become a light to our community. The church becomes a beacon that would influence the entire city, the entire community, as well as the entire nation. So let's talk about the two courses that Paul was enrolled in. Actually, there are two categories. And first of all, I'd like to read some phrases which I believe is part of course number one. We find words like humble means. And then another phrase would be going hungry. And then here's another phrase, 
suffering need. Now, some of us obviously would not want to be enrolled in this course. You and I do not want to be in a situation of suffering need. You and I do not want to be in a situation of humble means. You and I do not want to be in a situation of going hungry. And yet, let me tell you this. God, in His sovereignty, appoints certain seasons in our lives. And those seasons that God appoints are for our own education. God is in the process of educating us. He is our supreme discipler and supreme mentor. And what He would like to be able to do is to teach us about life. Because the reality of life is that we do encounter difficulties. There are seasons wherein there is suffering need. There are seasons wherein we go hungry. There are seasons wherein we have humble means. And the intention of God, of course, is to build and form our character. Now, just so we do not dwell on something that is merely theoretical, permit me to share a little bit of my testimony, my testimony as well as my wife's testimony when we first came here in Cebu around 32 years ago. You see, the history is that early on, there was a church here in Cebu that did not have a pastor, and it so happened that my former pastor came over here, and he ministered to them, and they were greatly blessed. And so they realized that they needed a full-time pastor to mentor and disciple them. And so they requested my former pastor to bring a pastor who would serve the people in Cebu. And so it so happened that there were several choices that were made. I was actually not the first choice. Somebody else happened to be the first choice. And the reason why initially they did not want to pull me out was because I was handling at that time the church in Alabang, and I was also handling the young adults' ministry. And so if they pulled me out, there would be a major transition in those ministries that I was in. And yet they realized that the work here in Cebu was quite promising. They realized that they needed somebody whom they could trust. And so they sent me and my wife. It so happened, however, that my wife at that time was nine months pregnant. And probably they did not realize that as they were sending us, the plane would not receive us and the boat would not receive us. Because you cannot ride the plane if you're nine months pregnant and you cannot uh, board the boat if you're also nine months pregnant. But we tried because they were saying it's urgent, you need to be there at the soonest possible time. But as I mentioned to you, we were rejected. Soon enough, after that rejection, I think in about a few days' time or in a few weeks' time, I'm sorry, in about a week's time rather, my wife gave birth to a healthy baby boy, and that's TJ. And I was there in Manila to enjoy him just for about a week because my pastor said, you have to go to Cebu. And so it was really a painful moment on my part. Obviously, that was 
a wonderful moment which I wanted to enjoy, which I wanted to really um, spend time with. I wanted to spend time with my wife and my baby boy, but I had to be sent. And so off I went, leaving behind my wife and our newborn baby. And later on, my wife had to follow after a few weeks, leaving behind my baby boy as well. And the journey in our first two years of ministry was not really an easy one. In fact, I would like to be able to say that there were times during that time period that my wife and I were actually tempted to go back to Manila. In fact, what stopped me was when I was reading the book of Psalms, and in the book of Psalms, there was a verse that said that I needed to dwell in the land. And somehow, I felt the Lord spoke to me, and that prevented me from going back or from quitting ministry here in Cebu. I'm just sharing to you some of the things that my wife and, my wife and I encountered after we finally brought our kid here. Well, one of the things that I'm thankful for is that in spite of the difficulties that we had at that time, my baby boy never ran out of milk. There was somebody I could not recall, and God bless this person's heart. This person continually supplied us with S26. How many of you are still familiar with S26? Okay. That's a baby milk formula, and so my baby never went hungry. But that was not the same story that my wife and I had. There were periods wherein we did actually go hungry. In fact, there was a time wherein my wife and I went on forced fasting. Now, here's the story. We were preparing for lunch, and it so happened a pastor together with his wife, came and visited us of all times during lunch. And so, being Filipinos and being the senior pastor of the church, we offered them lunch. And so, they had a nice lunch, they enjoyed the lunch, and they asked us, what are you having? And we just said, you know what? We're fasting. I just did not tell them that we were fasting because they visited us at the right time. There was an occasion my wife was so sick. She, she was having problems with her stomach. And I did not even have a single centavo to buy her medicine. And we just had to trust God for His healing grace upon my wife because I could not even buy medicine. When we were sent here in Cebu, I could not bring my furniture with us. The only thing we brought were our clothes. It was the standing policy of the church and continues to be the standing policy of this church as well that we were to live by faith. And just to explain to you what that means, it means that we serve without any fixed salary whatsoever. That comes together with a second policy, and the second policy is that we are not supposed to advertise 
our needs, whether in public or approaching individuals. And so whenever we had needs, we had to approach the throne of God's grace for our own specific needs. Now, that's the reason why we had difficulty because there was a wrong perception taking place among the leaders in Cebu and the leaders in Manila at that time. The, man, the leaders in Manila at that time assumed that the leaders in Cebu would somehow take care of us. And the leaders in Cebu, however, thought and assumed that the leaders in Manila would take care of us. So the wrong perceptions that both leaders had led into our difficulties. But let me just tell you that I'm not blaming any of the leaders. I believe that was part of the sovereign plan of God. I have no bitterness. I have no complaints with what happened to us in our first two years. Again, as I mentioned to you, I think God was forming and building our character. In fact, let me just tell you this. My wife and I are thankful for those times because it was during those times that God somehow formed our character. It was during those times that God taught us about humility. It was during those times that God taught us to be content with what we had. It was during those times that God taught us the value of prayer and the value of Bible meditation. I tell you that when we would read the Scriptures at that time, it came out so alive, it really spoke to us. It was just as if God was audibly speaking to us. And that strengthened us. That built us up. That built our character. And I am so thankful to God that through that, we have grown over the years. Just like to share a few more things because some of those things are so vivid in my memory. There are many things that I have already forgotten, but my memories of those early years are still so vivid with us. As I mentioned to you, when we came here, when we rented the house, all we had were our clothes. Thankfully, the previous tenant left behind a bed. Hallelujah. The problem was the bed was run down and there was a coil that was coming out. So that sometimes in the morning when I would wake up, I would literally be wounded because of the coil, the spring coil that was coming out. There was no sofa. Oh, actually, there was one, but it only had three legs. So I scampered around trying to look for that one leg. Praise God, I found that one leg. And so I put it back so we had a chair. And then, at that time, also we did not have a dining table. And our neighbors, we had a very uh, short fence. And so our neighbor could see that we did not have any dining table. And so out of their kindness and compassion, they shared, they lent to us their own dining table. And so presto, we had our own dining table. 
We did not have any uh, oven. We did not have any um, stove. So guess how we cooked food at that time? The ancient way. Chopped wood using, using that wood to, be, to burn and then cook our own food. We did not have any refrigerator. So guess what we used? We used styrofoam, filled it up with ice just to preserve the meat for about a day or two. That's how we survived. My mother came and visited us during uh, Christmas time, during December. And guess what? We were sharing. I think there were a few more people in the house. We were sharing one egg. And some of you probably are thinking, how did you survive during those times? We survived because of the grace of God. We survived because God touched certain people. And it happened in ways that are unimaginable. For example, there was one sister, we did not have dinner at night, and so there was one sister who rode her bike bringing one whole piece of chicken. So hallelujah, dinner time, we had fried chicken. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> One other time, a brother came over with tears in his eyes. God had touched him. He brought with him uh, some fish, which he had uh, bought from the market, and a little bit of rice. And so we had lunch at that time. So when Paul, when, when I was reading this particular passage early on in my ministry, and Paul says, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can relate to that. I can say together with Paul, Paul, do you know what? I was also enrolled in that course. And thankfully, because you have set a wonderful example, because you had graduated as summa cum laude from the University of Contentment, you were able to pioneer a path for people who would suffer in the same way. And that is why I would like to be able to say that during those times, I had learned contentment. My wife learned contentment. And friends, at times there is no other way. God has to bring in a myriad of experiences and circumstances in our lives because He is teaching us very powerful lessons in our lives. And we are not the only ones who will benefit out of those lessons. Other people as well would benefit out of the lessons that we learn. Right now, I'm thinking that there might be some of you right now who may be in a situation of difficulty and probably you're tempted to complain to God. Maybe there are doubts and questions in your mind and in your heart. And maybe you do not know where to turn to, where to seek grace. 
And friends, I am here to testify to you that the God that we serve is alive. And the God that we serve is a God who is willing to extend grace in our lives. Indeed, we face situations wherein we think that we cannot handle those situations. We do not have a handle. We do not have a grip of those situations. We are at our wit's end. But let me tell you, in every difficult situation that you face, God will always be there to strengthen and build you up. Amen? God is merely teaching you that you might grow, that you might mature, that you might become a better person. I would like to think that because of those experiences that I had early on, I have become a better pastor. I would like to be able to think that because of those situations that I encountered before I became a better father and a better husband to my wife, I would like to think that because of what my wife went through at that time, she became a better wife, a better mother, and a better administrator, a better minister of God as well. We've all learned from that situation. And that is why those things that we have learned before have become preaching points to our children. And we tell our children, you did not suffer in the same way that we have suffered. But we teach them certain things which hopefully would be valuable lessons that they would somehow imbibe in their lives and in their hearts as well. So let me comfort those who are going through difficulty at this time. God is sovereign. Every big and small detail in your life is under His watchful care. And His desire is not to destroy you. His desire is to build you up. His desire is to make you a better person. Which reminds me that life is not just a journey, it is an education. But you see, our education will not be complete if we do not enroll in another course. And here we go to course number two, prosperity. Paul talked about experiencing not only suffering need, but even prosperity as well. The Greek that was used here for the word prosperity is the Greek word perisos, rather, and it means or it could be translated as super abundant in quantity or superior in quality by implication excessive and then exceedingly abundantly above more abundantly it speaks about advantage. It could also be translated as exceedingly, very highly, beyond measure, more, or superfluous. And so this verse speaks about being filled and having abundance. And so here we see that God allows us seasons of suffering need, but there are times when He just pours it on our laps. There are times when the blessing is just overflowing. 
You ask God for a glass of water, He gives you a swimming pool. And you're wondering, Lord, I have more than, than what I need. But even then, God is likewise teaching us a lesson. And probably one of the lessons that we will learn is that even in all the abundance and prosperity that we experience, those things will never satisfy us. What will truly satisfy our souls is the Lord Jesus Christ. What would truly satisfy our souls is if Jesus becomes our chief and supreme treasure. But this is part of the educational process that God enrolls each and every one of us in. The question is, are we learning? Because every day God is teaching us. Every day God is discipling us. And just like Paul, I have experienced moments wherein I have received something that is beyond my imagination. Something that I never ever thought that I would ever receive as a minister of God. My wife has had so many surprises as well. Sometimes she would, she would wish she could have this, this cake or this food, and all of a sudden, somebody arrives at the house and brings exactly what her heart desires. And somehow, this tells you that God is just showing us His love, His care, His concern over us. And that is why, friends, we need to submit ourselves to God and embrace everything that God brings on the table for us. This spectrum of experiences will teach us certain things. They will build certain attitudes. They will create virtues in our hearts, virtues that will be helpful when we meet challenges in our lives. And there will be a lot. In life, we will meet challenge after challenge after challenge. The question is, are we prepared? Have we educated and trained ourselves enough to be able to hurdle life's problems? Let me share to you the story of a man. The Gospel Herald told of a man who came to the place in life where he began to think of retiring. He was very wealthy, having so many assets which totaled, and this was sometime in the 1920s, and his assets totaled more than a million dollars. Now think about that. This was in the 1920s. A million dollars was a lot of money. Over the years, this financier had paid his employees well and had contributed liberally to the church. He had not been greedy. He had not been engaged in any graft and corruption. Yet his bank account miraculously continued to grow. One day, this was what he said to his wife. I'm going to stop working, and I'm going to spend time enjoying myself. But I also want to be more useful and generous in supporting the work of the Lord. Not long afterward, however, the 1929 stock market crash 
took place in the United States. And if you know what happened during that time, there were a lot of businessmen who went bankrupt who committed suicide. That was how bad the American stock market crash was at that time. And so as far as this millionaire was concerned, almost everything he owned was swept away in the panic that followed. Later on, he testified, and I'm using his own words. He said, if I had not known the Lord, I would have gone to the 26th floor of my office building, and I would have jumped out of the window. Four other brokers I knew personally just did that. And he concluded, because I trusted the Lord, when I had plenty of money, I was equally content to trust Him when I was almost broke. You see, this story illustrates to us that at times God brings in a spectrum of experiences so that we could learn contentment in our lives. And that is why we need to be sensitive with every detail, with everything that happens to us, we need to be asking this question, Lord, what are you teaching me? What is it that I need to learn? What are you trying to form in my character? Are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to stretch my faith? Lord, are you developing my worship so that I get to worship you in plenty and in times of suffering need? Lord, are, are you causing me to learn how to hurdle these problems so that later on I can counsel people who will go through the same things that I am going through at this time? Lord, teach me. Lord, speak to me. Let me know what you want to accomplish. And friends, God will instruct us. God will guide us. Whatever it is that we go through, as I mentioned to you, they are under the watchful eyes of God. And it's not because God wants to harm us. And it's not because God wants to make life difficult for us. That's not the only intention of God in our lives. There is a higher purpose. And that is why Paul said here, I have learned the secret of contentment. The word secret, by the way, from the Greek is quite interesting. It comes from the Greek word moeo, which occurs only here. This is the only place in the New Testament wherein you will find this Greek word. Now, in the mystery religions, it was actually a technical term which meant to initiate by experience. To initiate by experience. And Paul was initiated into the experience of being well-fed or going hungry or having plenty or being in want. Paul was initiated into those experiences. When I was in high school, I came from an exclusive boys' school. Uh, I came from San Beda High School, and one of the things that happened 
when I was in high school was that there were a lot of my peers who were joining the fraternity. I could still remember some of them who entered the fraternity. Some of them had to have cigarettes burned on a portion of their hand. And when there would be a scar that would be left behind by that, by that mark, it meant that you were officially a member of that fraternity. And so there were a lot of boys who were joining those fraternities, and they would be asked by their masters to do anything that is required of them. And if they wanted to be part of the membership of that fraternity, they had to abide by all the requests that are asked of them. And finally, you go through hazing. They call it the paddle. And one after another, all the members would paddle you. You were blindfolded. And if you survived that physically, you would now become officially a member of that fraternity. You and I know some people have not been able to survive the physical violence involved in that paddling. But then again, that's initiation. That is initiation in the world sense or in a fraternity sense. But you see, that's not the kind of initiation that God brings us into. The kind of initiation that God brings us into can hurt us, but they will not harm us. Let me say it again. The initiation that God brings us into can hurt us, but they will not harm us. The illustration here or the analogy here is the surgeon's knife. The surgeon's knife is not there to, to hurt us. The surgeon's, I'm sorry, the surgeon's knife can hurt us rather, but it will not harm us because ultimately it will remove a tumor, it will remove that, that malignant thing that is in your body, and ultimately you will be healthy and you will be strong. And the same thing is true in God's case. Whatever God brings on the table may hurt us, but it will not harm us. Those initiation experiences that we are brought into will simply make us better people. Now, I'd like you to think for a moment right now, what are you going through? Are you going through pleasant experiences at this time? I, I assume there are people who are going through some blessings right now. Probably you just received an unexpected blessing, maybe a promotion, maybe a salary raise, or maybe you struck this business deal and all of a sudden you have this big commission. Well, let me tell you, God's teaching you something. Those blessings are there for you to enjoy but God is also teaching you something. It is also possible that some of you right now just were fired from a job. Is it possible that some of you were fired from a job? Or is it possible that you made a bad business deal and so now you're broke? Or maybe you served as a guarantor to somebody and that somebody whom you guaranteed money for ran away. And so now you are left to pay the amount of money that was borrowed by this person. I don't know what situation you are in right now. But you see, the thing is, 
God is teaching us. And I know that there are some of us right now who are saying, but Pastor Mel, you don't understand. I can't handle my problems. I'm really a worrier. I'm not a warrior. I'm a worrier. I just keep on worrying and worrying. I'm, I'm the anxious type. I'm, I always enter into this panic mode. Why does God allow me to go through these things? I thought God understood my frailties. I thought God understood that I was vulnerable. Why is it that God allows me to go through these things? I am here to tell you that although we personally cannot handle our problems by our own resources, by our own might, and by our own power, we have a confidence. And that confidence is not in ourselves. That confidence, by the way, is Paul's confidence. And what was Paul's confidence? Let's read verse 13. Verse 13, please. Paul says, I can do all things. Not just contentment, not just being content. Paul says, I can do all things. Through what? Through Him, through Christ who strengthens me. As you look into God's curriculum and you're saying, I don't want to be enrolled in course number one. I'd like to remind you that Paul is saying to us and he is encouraging us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our reliance after all is not in our human might nor in our own human power. But our confidence is in the hidden resource of our heart and that is the living Christ dwelling in us. Do you know that all of nature depends on hidden resources? When you see the rush of the flow of river, you wonder where does the water come from? If you happen to be in Europe or if you happen to be in some cold countries, what supplies the flow of water in the river would be the snow-capped mountains. In our case, of course, it is our mountains. When the rainy season comes, it is the mountains that supply the water for our rivers. It is a hidden resource. If you take a look at the tree and you see all the fruits and all the leaves, what makes it survive? What makes it thrive? It is the roots. The roots are hidden from our sight. But it is the roots that provide the hydration. It is the roots that provide the minerals and the vitamins that make a tree bear leaves and bear fruit. It is once again hidden. And when you look at us, maybe as we look at a brother or a sister, we see that this sister seems to be so frail and so weak. And maybe when we look at this brother, we, we say, well, th this brother cannot handle his problems. But let me tell you, 
If that sister or that brother has Christ in himself or herself, he or she has that hidden resource of Christ in her and in him, and he and, she, and, he and her can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes we forget the living Christ that dwells in us. And let me just say this, a living Christ on the inside is more than sufficient to endure the circumstances on the outside. Let me say it again. A living Christ on the inside is more than sufficient to endure the circumstances on the outside. You know, sometimes when people look at pastors, they think that pastors live the easiest kind of life possible here on earth. There are some who even dream to become pastors and ministers of God because they think that the life of a pastor is glamorous or the life of the pastor is easy. All you have to do is prepare a sermon on Sunday, and that's it. You know, just to testify to you, there are so many things that I never imagined I would ever experience as a pastor and as a minister of God. And yet the very things I never imagined would happen to me are things that have happened and taken place in my life. Some of those things that I have experienced may be so personal and so private that I cannot even share some of those things to you. But let me just tell you this. All of us, after all, go through these adversities, these challenges and difficulties. Where do we turn to? Where do we go? Where do we hide? Where do we seek refuge? Our God is our refuge. Amen? Our God is our refuge. And sometimes we need to just digest the words of the Lord when He says we need to rest in Him. And we need to wait upon Him. I recall in Isaiah, he speaks about waiting upon the Lord because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. You know, by the way, something quite interesting about eagles is our imagination perhaps is that eagles continually flap their wings just to keep themselves afloat. But you and I know, if we've seen some film clips, that is not true. In fact, sometimes what an eagle does, when a storm is about to come, all the other birds fly away from the storm. Only the eagle flies against the storm. So while all the other birds fly away, the eagle faces the storm head on. And with its powerful wings, it just faces the, the strength of the wind and continues to use the strength of the wind to bring it up until finally the eagle is above the storm. It is above the wind. And there the eagle no longer has to flap its wings. There the eagle simply spreads its wings 
and glides through the wind. Amen. And all we need to do in the adversities of life is to glide with the wind of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we will understand what resting in the Lord is all about. Again, this was the confidence of Paul. Our God will fight our battles. Our God will go before us and He will be behind us. The battle does not belong to us. The battle belongs to the Lord. Here's an excerpt, and I'd like to close with this. You know, every Christian ought to read J. Hudson Taylor's book, Spiritual Secret, which was written by J. Hudson Taylor as well as Mrs. Howard Taylor because it illustrates this principle of inner power in the life of a great missionary to China. For many years, Hudson Taylor worked hard and felt that he was trusting Christ to meet his needs. But somehow, he had no joy or liberty in his ministry. Then a letter from a friend opened his eyes to the adequacy of Christ. There was one, or rather, yes, one sentence that really struck him. Listen well. The sentence goes like this. It is not by trusting my own faithfulness, but by looking away to the faithful one. Amen? It is not trusting my own faithfulness, but by looking away to the faithful one. And J. Hudson Taylor will tell us that was the turning point of his life. From that moment on, he drew power from Christ every day for every responsibility that he had. And Christ's power carried him through. So brothers and sisters, as we meditate on the passage that we just read and studied this morning, let me remind you, whether you like it or not, you are enrolled. And unlike many universities, you cannot withdraw. You cannot drop the subject. You are enrolled whether you like it or not. You might as well make the best and the most of what you are going through so that you would become a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better man, a better woman for the glory of God. Amen? Let's give the Lord a big hand, please. Today, we will be celebrating the Lord's table, and may I request all of us to please close our eyes first and bow our heads. While every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I know that there are some people this morning who are probably saying, you know what, Pastor Mel, everything you're saying, I agree to it. But you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know my challenges. 
And my question to you is, could it be that the reason why you are unable to overcome is because you do not have Christ living on the inside of you? Is it possible that you have not surrendered your life to Him? That's why your life is like a roller coaster ride wherein there are more downs than there are highs. I am here to tell you that when Christ came down here on earth, He did two things. First of all, He came so that He could pay the penalty of your sins. Jesus died on the cross because He understood that you could not save yourself. Nobody can. Nobody will. So what we could not do, Jesus did at the cross so that we are not saved by our own efforts, by our own good works. None of that will save us. The only thing that will save us is what Christ did on the cross. So He did that for us. But there's a second thing. The second reason why Christ came down and died for our sins is so that He could empower us. Empower us for life so that we could be victorious. So, so that we could face the challenges head on like the eagle soaring high above the storm and gliding through the wind having the power of God residing in us, that is what He wants. And so this morning, if you will surrender your life to Christ, if you will make Him the Savior and Lord of your life, He will do two things for you. First, He will save your soul. And secondly, the Holy Spirit will live and dwell in you to empower you so that you will live a victorious life. Your name will not only be written in the book of life so that you are assured of heaven when you die. You will be given a quality of life, a joy and peace, and a power that you have never experienced before. Because the moment you surrender to Christ, He will live His life in you and through you. So if that is what you desire, Right now, I'd like to invite you to surrender your life. And if that is what you desire and you'd like to express your faith to the Lord, could you slip up your right hand right now just for me to know and find out if there are some people who would like to accept Christ. Yes, sister, amen. Yes, brother, amen. Anyone else? Yes, sisters, I see your hand. Yes, brother, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, brother, I see your hand. Yes, brother. Yes, sister. Yes, sister. Yes, sister. Amen. Yes, I see that hand at the back. I see more hands, yes, raised up. Yes, at the back, yes. You can put them down right now. I'd like you to please pray this prayer. And, and church, could you help me out? Let everybody recite the prayer so that we could help and assist these brothers pray together with us. So let us all pray. Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody please. Lord Jesus Christ. 
I ask for forgiveness for all my sins. I now realize I cannot save myself. My good works will not save me because your standard is perfection. And so, Lord, I stand before you right now empty and broken, and I surrender to you and make you my Savior and my Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And from this day onwards, I am yours. Lord, as I repent of all my sins, I trust that the Holy Spirit will do His work in changing and molding me into the image of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your name, I pray. Amen. Now, if you have prayed that prayer this morning, or you had prayed that prayer some time back, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And obviously, you understand what the table on the side means. The bread symbolizing the body of Christ. By the way, we were the ones who were supposed to be nailed to the cross, but Christ told us to step aside. He took our place. And that is what's, what is symbolized in the bread. The cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. That is what we celebrate. So, let us come. I'd like to ask the communion servers to come, the worship team to come. Let us celebrate our salvation. Let us celebrate Jesus in our lives right now. If you have accepted Christ, please join us.